Welcome to the show, folks. This is Wrestling Changed My Life. Here we go. I remember when he got me in that kind of three-quarter Nelson and he was he was just kind of wrenching and I just had my hands out. I, I just felt like he was trying to choke me out. And uh, in my mind, I'm like, uh, he's strong. This is tight. But, you know, that's it. Like, I, I, I got to get out right now. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast. This is your host, Ryan Warner, coming to you from Chicago IL, birthplace of the baby back ribs. We have an Illinois legend on the show today, Jordan Blanton, three-time Illinois high school state champion, he only had one loss that came in the finals in 2007 against the great Mike Benefield. Jordan went on to wrestle at the University of Illinois, three-time All-American. Today, he runs his family's business and also just started the Relentless Training Center out in Spring Grove, Illinois. This guy is a gem of a wrestler, folks. Really enjoyed the conversation. Fan of the week goes to my man, Ethan Ball, one of my longtime friends. He sent over a couple co wrestling face mask if you will i really appreciate that go cohawks and folks if you want to support the show please go to our online store that's store.wrestlingchangemylife.com i just launched a new t-shirt that says saturdays are for the duels should get you nice and ready for the college season which has started store.wrestlingchangemylife.com that's it folks let's get to the interview with jordan blanton jordan blanton how are you sir I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure, man. There's a lot to talk about. We were just chatting off air on some of the, the big matchups you were in, two maybe the biggest Illinois, uh, not state finals matches, but two of the biggest matches in the IHSA tournament in the 2000s, maybe all time. But let's go back to the wrestling factory days, man. What was that room like when you were a, a youngster? So to be honest, the story uh, probably starts a couple of years before that. Okay. Uh, and it starts when Vince and Tony Ramos wrestled for uh, the state line Wildcats, which is we're probably talking when I was in third grade or so, fourth grade. So I don't know, 2001, 2002, something like that. Uh, got to meet them. They had just came from living in the, the Villa, what was it called? The Villa Park or Villa Lombard Cougars. Yep. Uh, they had wrestled for them. They came to the Wildcats and I got introduced to them. Tony at the time was, was a hammer like he's always been. And uh, Vince was really kind of starting to come into his own. Uh, they were with the club for one year and then they left for the wrestling factory. In that time, uh, we stayed close and about two years, well, maybe two, three years later, uh, however it worked out when I was in seventh grade, I went to the wrestling factory and that was, basically a huge turning point in my whole wrestling career. Uh, my two training partners were Billy Lewis, who was a, a state champ that year at 138. I was at 130. And then Vince Ramos was at uh, state champ at 122. Wow. So I was surrounded. They were both a year older than me. Um, showed, showed me a ton. I learned how to drill. I learned how to train. I, I learned how to get better at wrestling more so than just having heart, you know, and desire. Uh, I started to kind of add the technique into it. So that, that was pivotal. 
Um, like I said, I was on a team. I had those guys at Cameron Kennedy, uh, Jordan Walsh, who was a, a good college wrestler, I think, for Northern Illinois, heavyweight. Um, uh, Jimmy Kennedy had just graduated. And then there was kind of just a laundry list of, of younger guys that I was around um, and got to know. And that really took my wrestling career to the next step. Were you or were you not on Team Zirconia? I was. That's, that's an all-time. So that was kind of a little part of – um, what got me to the wrestling factory was, so that was my sixth grade year was team Zirconia and I wrestled IESA, my wrestling club coach um, at state line wildcats got the head coaching job at our middle school and our middle school is bringing uh, IESA wrestling back uh, for the first time, maybe ever, or in a long time. Uh, so I, I decided to do that. I had a good year. I was undefeated. I lost in the sectional finals to uh, Ted Strachalski from Libertyville. Uh, another guy that's, that's been around. Uh, I wrestled at IU, I believe, and, and still around in the wrestling world today. Um, then I, I go to the state tournament, win my first match, lose my second match. That guy loses to Justin Hale from uh, Bloomington. Another, another name that's been around. And, uh, and that was my season. So I think it was about 12 or 14 matches. There was my season. And, uh, you know, there was a lot. 14 yeah. matches. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah, it was tough. So um, I was also playing travel basketball at the time and kind of at a crossroads at that point. Like I, I wasn't a basketball player. I knew I wasn't a basketball player. Um, but I, I knew that I didn't want to be just a state qualifier wrestler either. So if I was going to, whichever direction I was going to go, I was going to have to take a little more seriously. So I go to team Zirconia, uh, had a tough outing, only won two matches. I went two and four. I still remember. Uh, that, that was a tough tournament, dude. Franklin oh, park. I was in sixth grade. I was young. It was, it was the best of the best. Um, I, my two wins were, uh, Virginia challenge team and the, I, the IESA state champ at the weight class below. So I got a little bit of revenge. I knew I was at a level where I, where I can continue to progress and still kind of reach my goals. But I was like, you know, 14 matches, that's not cutting it. Wrestling that IESA uh, schedule wasn't cutting it. And uh, so that kind of re-entered the Ramoses. Uh, and I probably in a 365 day year, I probably spent 300 plus days with their family, training, traveling, going to tournaments, uh, going to practice during the week, lifting twice a week with them. My, my life changed, you know, that year. And, uh, and then there was no looking back. I was, I was as hooked as I was probably the first time I ever stepped on a wrestling mat. It was almost like, you know, the second version of that. I was wrestling was now number one for the rest of my life after that. And they were all in on it too, just going crazy hard at the time. Oh yeah. Their, their parents were so supportive. Uh, it was, it was like a family affair for them. So it was Al and Debbie Ramos um, driving us. Al, I think pretty much every night uh, was driving us to and from practice. My parents would just drop me off at their house. We lived about 10 or 15 minutes away from each other at the time. Uh, Spring Grove in Johnsburg, Illinois. So mm -hmm. I'd get dropped off there. We'd go to the factory or we'd go and lift or we'd go Saturday tournaments in Wisconsin, Sunday tournaments in Illinois. So it was a lot. Wow, man. And then when did you start training with Izzy style? So uh, eighth grade year. So seventh grade year wrestling factory, eighth grade year. I was back in my hometown. Uh, freshman year, I wrestled in the suburbs, but not quite. I, I kind of bounced around. I went to overtime a couple times for some training camps. And I, I was working with uh, Ed Giese mm -hmm. at, uh, he was at Addison trail high school running the Dave Schultz wrestling club. And then I got my license my sophomore year. And then it was, it was Montini. Uh, after that, I was training with Izzy, uh, full time after that, my sophomore year. And when you won it as a freshman, was it an upset or were you favored to win single your freshman year? I was never favored to win it uh, rankings wise the whole year long, but I, I was undefeated and I slowly just started beating people. So 
I think late in the year I was ranked sixth and I beat uh, Dakota wrestler, Paul Grayville, who was a tough dude. Um, that bumped me up into, uh, he was four, I was six. We flip-flopped and then uh, I won regionals. First round at sectionals, I just so happened to have Chuck Peartz mm -hmm. uh, from, he was wrestling for Rock Island Allman at the time. Uh, I beat him, he was ranked first, but he lost in the regional finals. So I think maybe he was ranked second at that point. So I climbed a little higher, a little higher, but until I won it, I don't think I was the favorite the whole year. You had Pierce first round. I know, I know, I remember him from back in the day. That's crazy. That was one of my one of one of my proudest matches, probably all time. Really? Uh, he was beating me four one in the first period, two takedowns, nothing, nothing pretty. Uh, he, you know, I, I wasn't wrestling per se my best, uh, but I, I start I started throughout the match to feel him go. And I got two or three third period takedowns. And the last one, I tied it up six, six and cut him with under 20 seconds left. Cause I knew, I knew he was <laughs> and I got the takedown. I won eight, seven and, and then, you know, uh, kept the run going. All the I was, way. I was watching, uh, some of these Illinois matches you're talking about getting ready for this. Illinois kids were cutting people like crazy back then. 20 second cuts. What were we thinking, man? <laughs> You know, it's really funny strategy wise, because even like now as a coach, I don't, I don't know how I would play that situation, but as a competitor in my heart and in my gut, if I had somebody on the ropes, you know, every practice they do that 20 seconds left, you're down by one, you know, 15 seconds, 30 seconds, whatever it is. Uh, I, I think that was just confidence in my training, a lot of self-belief and, uh, and, and, you know, wrestlers know if somebody's on the ropes, if, if they're going, if you can open it up and kind of put that pace on, typically you can make it happen. So that as a young, you know, kind of 14, 15 year old kid, uh, I, I just had nothing but belief that I was going to be able to do it. And it worked out. So I think I think I was I was on the right track. Definitely. When did you realize that 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 grindman, that workman like style was going to be your your calling card? You know, it's, it's funny because I talk a lot about the wrestling factory where I changed uh, from just, I was always like a, a tough wrestler. I was always good, maybe the MVP of my club and whatnot. But I think that the best I ever did up until that point was fifth in the state uh, twice. And there had been years I went into the state tournament undefeated. There had been years, you know, where uh, I, I had success, but I was kind of always on the doorstep and never got over the hump. Um, but I think from my first year of wrestling, it was pace, uh, conditioning, wrestle hard, chain wrestle, you know, wrestle through positions. But I would shoot with my head down and it would be, you know, I, I couldn't really pick and choose when I was going to score. It was just like uh, effort, effort, effort. And eventually things would kind of turn around in a match and go my direction. Seventh grade. Uh, when I started learning how to penetrate, how to take shots, how to set guys up, uh, that was kind of where it started. And then, you know, ultimately everything in my wrestling style just got reinforced when I started training with Izzy, uh, from my belief to my pace and pressure, everything kind of just took, took steps up from there. Talk about how a guy like Izzy impacts your belief and confidence in yourself. Uh, you know, I, I, I think about that often because now I'm, I'm finding myself in, in a coaching position and trying to get my wrestlers to, to believe in themselves and trying to get their uh, minds to click in a certain way. And, you know, with Izzy, uh, I think it's just one of his, one of his skills that I really haven't seen matched um, around too many places, even though I've been, you know, I've been around so many high level coaches, but, the way he can say things in one sentence or less and just make you sit and think about it and allow you to interpret it and kind of go through the process of, well, what did that mean? You know, what does he mean by that when he says it? Uh, and then kind of, I think that helped me create my own uh, understanding of, of what he was talking about. And then, you know, it was just a, a constant, like, uh, reinforcement in my training, in my drilling, hitting a wall, finding a way to push the wall back or get over it, 
finding a way to score again late in a, late in a period or late in a go when I'm tired and when I've been pushing myself. Uh, but he just, you know, he found the right things to say that uh, allowed me to continue to develop and grow. And there was, there was no ceiling. There was no point where I ever felt like, all right, you know, I've reached that. I've reached that. I, I can, I can look elsewhere. It was always mental. It was always trying to uh, just kind of like elevate my game in all of those different levels. It's exciting when you're around a coach that gets you excited to raise your game and kind of show off for them, you know? Oh, there's, I don't think there's anything like it, you know? And I think you could kind of take that statement and apply it uh, to teachers, to, to business leaders and managers and coaches. Uh, You know, when you're around somebody that is passionate and about something that you're passionate about and like-minded and they've been to where you've been, or they know how to get where you want to go. And you have that full belief in, in them that uh, trusting the process, you know, sayings that you kind of read on the cliche sayings that you read on the back of t-shirts. But uh, that's really how my mind kind of thinks. Uh, I had full, complete trust in him. I felt like uh, he, he knew what uh, the highest levels of wrestling was and that was what I wanted. I was just kind of a, a young kid from Richmond, Illinois, that was trying. I had already, you know, reached a fair amount of uh, success, but I was I was hungry for more. And he had an environment where I can grow and, and build and and kind of work towards all those goals. And w- and after a workout at Montini, how how far of a drive is that? Just to preface, like an hour. Oh no, you're looking at an hour and a half easy. Hour and a half. So you'd you'd leave a practice at Montini all jacked up. What would you think about in your drive home or, or drive there? Would you visualize a lot? I mean, I think Mike Benefield and Chris Spangler is what I thought about when I left. You know, uh my I I even I read I was going through uh some old wrestling stuff and I was reading like these interviews that I did. And it, you know, for two years, those two matches, uh, that was what I thought about when I woke up. That was what I thought about when I went to sleep. That's kind of where my thoughts drifted in class or whatever it was. I, I was, I was really kind of at a point where I thought those were the two guys each year that I was going to have to beat to accomplish my goals. And, uh, and I think it was that. So I think it was just a lot of dreaming and visualizing and, and going through positions and, and wrestling the match, you know, hundreds and thousands of times before I ever even stepped out there, you know? I mean, do you talk about those two matchups? I mean, those are matches that the entire season revolved around, not just you or your weight class, like all of Illinois wrestling was waiting for those two matchups. So when you're, let's start with the first one. So your junior year, you are undefeated two-time state champ, Benefield, not undefeated, but just unstoppable Ironman champ as a sophomore you guys met in the finals what was the build-up like as you got into like January and February of that season you know it was crazy uh because I I actually I knew we were going up to double a early on uh my sophomore year spring and I remember the first day I went to uh Izzy style in the in my sophomore year, it must've been after freestyle state, uh, my sophomore year, I worked out with Tony Marty and, uh, who was coaching, helping Izzy at the time, uh, and, and a couple other guys. And I stayed after, and I did a bunch of drilling, uh, from a two on one position and for probably maybe 30 minutes or so. And I remember just being like coming home and telling my dad, I'm like, I, I'm telling you what, if I, keep going. And I keep training here. I'm a hundred percent going to be Benefield. Like that was just where I was at. We're talking maybe, you know, the, the spring of 2006 or something. So the year spring. before. Yeah. It was the year before, um, you know, so that's where my mind was early on. And, and I also wasn't, uh, I also wasn't fooling myself either. I didn't think I was the favorite, you know, I mm-hmm. felt like I had to close the gap on him. And I felt like I was chasing him. Uh, I certified at 160 that year. Um, I never had a, I never had a thought of going down and dropping down late in the year. Uh, so as the season went on and as that match started building up, 
uh, I remember because I was on Illinois Mantman message boards every day and I'd see threads. So I was like, you know, don't read it. Don't read it. Don't read it. But I'd find myself clicking it and reading. What are people saying? <laughs> you know? And I tried, I tried to block it out. And I think I did a pretty decent job of not letting it affect me, what other people said or anything like that. But uh, I just remember pages and pages and pages of guys, you know, going back and forth talking. My dad was involved in it. My father-in-law, I was dating my, my, uh, my high school sweethearts, my wife now. So I remember her dad had a username and I'd catch, <laughs> uh, you know, posting once in a while, like, uh, it, it was funny, you know, it was really interesting. I didn't know any better. You know, I, again, I'm, I'm living in Richmond, Illinois, trying to be the best wrestler that I can be, but, uh, you know, my daily Which is the sticks with, for people, not the sticks, but it's not the city. Like, no, it's not, not it's, even close to the suburbs. It's yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, I think it's, just, I would just call it like right outside the suburbs, you know, yeah. you go one direction, and there's nothing, you know, but cornfields and, and rural land and you go a different direction and you go into population, you right. know, but we're kind of right on the outskirts. So, uh, so had you wrestled Benefield in practice? Was he at Montini when you were going there? I had worked out with him, uh, in 2006 at the junior duel, um, uh, training camp at overtime. I spent, I spent some time working out with him there. Uh, how'd it go? Uh, not great, but enough where I felt like, you know what, like, I think I could beat him. Yeah. Uh, but I know he firemans me in that, in that workout, uh, and, and took me down that way. Uh, and to be honest, I don't, you know, outside of that, I remember getting in some good flurries where he got the best of me, but, uh, but ultimately I was just like, that was bad practice. I know I can beat him. You know, yeah. that was kind of what I chalked it up to, uh, and, and that was it though. He was never in the room at Montini. When I was in the room at Montini, we, our paths didn't cross very often, uh, until so was he at overtime a lot then. Yeah. I think he was training consistently there. Got it. So you, which is so funny because you know, your club coach is his high school coach. Yep. Um, and so there was that dynamic. And so when you think about wrestling him and now you've wrestled, you know, the best guys in the whole country throughout your career at Illinois, but thinking back then, you know, what made him so tough as a high school wrestler? I just think he was just like ridiculously strong, ridiculously good at positioning. Uh, he, ex you know, he could explode. He was fast, but he had uh, a level of wrestling when we were in high school that, uh, you know, I think, and, and I guess there's probably no way to tell, but if you look at his results as a true freshman, when he was at Northwestern wrestling at the Midlands and stuff like that, uh, when you watch his college career, how it played out at Oklahoma state. I mean, I think, uh, I think he was, you know, capable of having very similar results to that. Even when he was 17, 18 years old, you know, I just think he was at a high level. Um, yeah. And from such a young age, you know, he was so used to winning. He knew what it was, knew what it took, uh, to get, you know, to, to get his hand raised bottom line. Um, and I just don't think I was there at that point. Uh, I, you know, could the match have gone differently if, if the first period went differently, of course. Um, and that's kind of in my mind, my, my whole plan was to wrestle tough early, stay out of anything big early and then allow the match to, to progress and then be ready to go in the third period and, and chase them down and close the gap and try and get a late takedown or something. But, uh, that's not how it went. You know, he was in the driver's seat basically from start to finish. So, uh, that was just a learning experience for me. And, you know, more than anything, I think that just really kind of lit the fire that there was no way I was going to let that happen twice in a row and, and go out like that. If, you know, and, and when I say there was no way it was going to happen, if it would have happened, you know, I would have still woken up the next day and continued along my journey, but that, kind of uh that loss kind of helped me refocus and say well now my senior year uh no stone left unturned i gotta make sure that i go out on top uh because otherwise everybody would have had everything to say you know oh right. you never got it done in double a this that and the other thing so uh that at that point was spangler even on the radar nope he was so small not at that point so you know I i'm trying to think because 
that that off season, um, my mindset was, all right, I got to wrestle Benefield again and get a rematch. So freestyle state, we were in the same bracket. Uh, and he actually had high school graduation. So the second day when he probably, when it would have been us in the finals, uh, he went home. Mm. So, uh, so I didn't get to wrestle him there. So then the next opportunity was Fargo and, uh, I'm pretty sure he won my Fargo bracket. Yeah. I'm almost positive. He won my Fargo bracket in 2007. Uh, and I lost to, I lost to, uh, Grant Gambrel and from Iowa city. Yep. Yeah, yeah, from Iowa city West. Uh, I lost to him and I lost to somebody else. Uh, and I took seventh that year. So, okay. So I, I didn't have my chance, uh, to get revenge or anything, but there is a little, I guess, cherry on top, uh, to the Benefield rivalry, just because my sophomore year, my true sophomore year at college, uh, we both made the quarterfinals. He lost to, I think, uh, I don't know, Binghamton kid, or maybe it was the second round. He lost to a Binghamton kid. And, uh, I lost to Jay Borschel in the quarterfinals and we came down and we were kind of on a collision course to wrestle either in the round of 12 or the match after. So then in my mind, you know, and this is 2010, but in my stomach and my gut and my heart, I'm like, okay, since 2007, you wanted this, this rematch. And he actually got knocked off by a kid from Ohio university. Mm. So uh, then I think I beat the Ohio U kid in the round of 12 and that was like a little bit of a consolation prize for me. Like, all right, well, I made my first all American honors and I, I, uh, you know, I, I kind of got over the hump a little bit in, in my mind. Like, all right, I know that it had it been him, I felt like I was in a position where I could have wrestled my match and won. And, and so I, I take that now as a little bit of a consolation. So it sounds like something that was a huge motivator for you though, for like the rest of your career after that. You know, uh, I, I think so. I mean, I think you could probably say it's still a motivator to me today. Like wow. that was, uh, I had 111 matches in a row. I'd won at that point. Sports Illustrated did an article on us and the title was Streakers Collide. He actually had a, a longer winning streak going at that time. So he was at like 120 matches. I was at 110 basically when oh we my wrestled. God. And, uh, you know, I think from the outside, if it, and this is what I would say to my wrestlers as a coach now, like 111 matches in a row, like that's great, you know, but my focus is on the next match. My focus isn't backwards. I'm not, I'm not worried. What's happened has happened, you know, and good, bad, ugly, like uh, I'm focused on the future and I'm focused on figuring out my position and my trajectory. So my position is like, where I'm at now. And is it, is my trajectory going up or down? I could be in a bad spot. You know, my position might be, I, Hey, I just lost, you know, so I'm on a one match losing streak, but what's my trajectory. You know, uh, if I'm feel like I'm moving forward and I'm heading forward, then, then that's, you know, that's a positive thing. If I would have taken that loss and been like, Oh, all I worked for, it's all taken away from me. You know, it's all gone. I don't think that would have been constructive at all. I did my best. I came up short. I woke up the next day and I kind of reset my goals and kept moving forward. I, you know, I don't think it really, uh, it didn't get me down. I don't even know if I cried, to be honest. I don't even know if I shed a tear. Uh, I was just like, that sucked, you know, like, that, like <laughs> the million times I played that match in my head. Uh, I, I didn't think it was going to go that way, you know, but it did. Uh, but and, and I think my parents did a lot of talking like that when I was younger. It was like the next morning, the sun's going to rise. We're still going to love you. Like it's just a wrestling match. Right. And to be honest in my life nowadays, like that's my whole philosophy. No matter what happens today, tomorrow, I'm going to, that sun's going to come out. I'm going to wake up. Uh, my wife's going to be by my side. My family's going to be by my side and I'm going to have an opportunity to go and kind of take whatever's next. And, and that's, that's, I think what my mindset was then and my mindset is now. I love it because it's controlling what you can control. And so with that in mind, you know, like take us into your senior year. What was your daily routine? Were you running hills in the morning, Rocky Balboa style? I mean, what was your, what was your regime? 
Yeah. So, you know, again, awesome story. Uh, I was fortunate enough going into my senior year. I got two new uh, assistant coaches at my high school, Tyrone Bird, four-time NCAA qualifier uh, for the University of Illinois, Mm -hmm. you know, multiple-time state champ, been, you know, to the highest levels uh, and was an Illinois alumni. And then John Murphy, who was, uh, he runs old school wrestling, Omega school of wrestling now. And, uh, he, he was at the time, a professional mixed martial artist, professional jujitsu player, uh, Matt rat, you know, always training, uh, really close with clay Guida. So, you know, my training situation going into my senior year, to be honest, I was focused on the next level. I think continuing to progress and get to the next level. So at home, I had those, those coaches along with my head coach, Brett Wojcik, uh, and I was developing relationships and they were mentoring me, uh, in a lot of different ways. I was going to Izzy, uh, training with him, with my practice partners there and had, mm-hmm. you know, great, uh, great surroundings there. And then, uh, I was basically just, uh, focused on, on, continuing to climb, continuing to grow. I think my goals probably at the beginning of my senior year were to wrestle in the Dapper Dan, to win senior nationals, to win Fargo. Uh, and then probably number four was the high school state title at that time. Uh, were you doing a lot of morning workouts too? So I, I, that's what I was uh, trying to work myself back to. So Tyrone, uh, Coach Bird was my uh, PE teacher and we did uh, what was called competitive weights and conditioning at my high school, uh, at 7am before school. So my routine was, you know, a lot of times it was the class is going to go and we're going to do this. And Jordan's going to go run five miles on the treadmill and watch Chris Bangler wrestle or watch (laughs) whatever, you know, that was, that was a lot of it. Uh, so I was lifting and running every morning before school, uh, with our, you know, with our strength program, uh, but it was kind of cool because I got a little bit more of like wrestling geared, wrestling specific training through that. And I, you know, that was, that was a huge help in giving me an edge uh, my senior year. I just felt like I could go forever. I was training hard. You know, I was in a good place. Yeah. I bet you and T-Bird had some wars back then. There's, there's uh, in that, in those videos, those state videos, there's a really good, uh, kind of clip of me training. I think right before they played it right before the jumbotron. Uh, yeah. It was like a jumbotron video or something. And uh, it's great. Cause you see me like get in on this double leg on bird and take him down. But <laughs> I think I, you know, I'd be lucky if I ever got a, a, a takedown on him at that time that he didn't let me get, he was just at <laughs> such a high level at that point, but it was great. And his top wrestling was so good. Um, he used to kind of maul me cause he was big and strong and, and he had that college experience, but he never really, he never really like steamrolled me to a point where I got discouraged. He was always kind of helping me become a, you know, a better and better wrestler. And, and I'm super grateful for that. I mean, that's just an incredible workout situation. Oh, yeah. Kind of reminds me of how Poeta had Griff Powell laid into his high school, high when school years. Look, when you look at those two scenarios, I mean, the way it worked out now, keep in mind too, I was committed to Iowa at this point. So that's right. Illinois wasn't even, uh, really in the question, but the, the night that I decommitted from Illinois and I, you know, if, if you want from to Iowa there, or from Illinois, I'm sorry, from Iowa, uh, that's kind of a great story. So I guess I'll just tell this story and Hit me. to, to, give you an idea of how great my high school coach Wojcik was and how great Tyrone was being there for me. And in that moment, and then how things transpired from there, uh, it was just, it was a blessing, you know, ultimately I was, I was super fortunate to have people around me that I did, but, uh, letter of intent week, you know, they're, they're sending out the national letter of intent. Uh, I go to school on, you know, whichever morning, uh, like everything's fine. I go to school. I go to wrestling practice. I come home and my parents are sitting at the table. Like we need to talk. And I'm like, you know, something bad happened. Uh, they're like, we got a call this morning, uh, from Wes hand, who was the assistant coach at the time. And, uh, I took my visit September 28th 
to uh, Iowa. This is now early November sometime. Junior year or senior year? This is my senior year. Fall of my senior year. So uh, I I took my unofficial visit like in the May prior, but I took my official visit in September, the last weekend in September. And uh, they were talking about Alex Sertzis redshirting. Well, I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, my freshman year, Sertzis will still be there. I didn't think anything of it. But they called the day that the national letter of intent was getting sent out. And they told my mom, like, Sertzis is redshirting. Uh, we need to come up with money. Would you guys be willing to uh, give 40% back your first year and then go back up uh, to a full ride? Really, it would have been 90% the next years after. And that was what I originally committed to, 90%. Yeah. And so- I was insane. Exactly. So, you know, they had Mark Perry, they had Metcalf, Borschel, Slayton. They were on the up and up. I was like all in. I was so excited. I spent multiple weekends in Iowa City training uh, that summer leading up to it. Izzy took me out there a couple times. I got to run Carver. I got to train in their room. I I got to be around those guys, stayed in their apartments or their houses, um, watched how they lived. Everything was great. You know, I was I was all on board but I was definitely an outsider. You know, I didn't have like a, even though it's only one state over and I, and Jordan Johnson was there and, and I was pretty close with him. Uh, Tyler Clark. No, I think Tyler Clark was at Iowa state at the time. Uh, but I, I was close with those guys and, uh, but you were an outsider, you said, but I was an outsider, you know, I, I just, I just felt like I was an outsider. Well, uh, meaning it, it wasn't like I was representing you know, are going to join a team that I'd known everybody my whole life. Right. And I didn't really even consider that at the time, but uh, I I was spending all that time out there and I was really looking forward to going to school there. Well, they called and they're like, Sertzis is redshirting. Where are you willing to take money back? So I, my parents tell me that and I'm like, you know, like a kick in the gut. Uh, That's kind of weird. I'm like, I don't really know what to say about that. I don't, uh, want to do that though. So, you know, what, what are our options? And the number one thing that I, that I was thinking was if I take 60% my freshman year, there's no way that they're going to up it to a hundred percent after that. You know, it's like one of those things, yeah. if you take the smaller number now, it's not going to circle back around and get back. And I just felt that in my gut. Were you so leaning I, at all against Iowa at this point since no. Tyrone bird was there? Nothing. No. So, you know, consciously I wasn't maybe subconsciously because, but you were thinking I was all when when everything kind of from this moment, when the things that come into like the orbit, um, you know, it maybe I I guess, but uh, as I explained it, I think it'll make more sense. So I'm like, well, let's call uh, coach Wojcik and coach bird, explain the situation and, uh, and just kind of like go from there. So they drop, you know, they're at home. They, they got their own personalized families, everything going. They drop what they're doing and they come over for dinner. Uh, them along with my, my training partner, best friend, uh, Joby Bodie, uh, he used to come over every night for dinner. So it was basically uh, us six at my dinner table. We're talking about the situation. They're like, you know, what do you think? I'm like, I still want to go to Iowa, but you know, I don't want to do it at that, uh, at that price. So I don't want to decommit, but I just don't want to sign and I want to wrestle my senior year. And then I want to focus in the spring. I kind of wanted to bet on myself, I think, you know, and just say, uh, I'll pick this back up in the spring and hopefully there'll be something that, that can happen, uh, was kind of the glass half full way that I was going to look at it. So I, uh, coaches leave. Thank you. You know, thank you guys for coming over. We just talked it through and that was what, what I ended up feeling, uh, that I wanted to do. So I go up in my room and, and put the phone on speaker and me and Joby are sitting there and call Tom Brands. Uh, he answers the phone and I'm like, Hey coach, you know, I, my mom talked to, uh, West hand earlier today. Uh, we talked about it and, I don't want to decommit. I, you know, I'm not saying that I still want to be a Hawkeye, but I don't want to sign right now. I kind of want to just uh, hold off on any college decision-making until the spring. 
he, uh, first thing I think he says is, I knew you were wishy-washy. So he kind of like came out real strong right away. I knew you were wishy-washy. I've been hearing that you didn't want to come here and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that's not the case at all. You know, that's not what I was thinking. But it was kind of like a little bit like he was turning, uh, turning the situation around on my lack of commitment to wanting to go to Iowa. So I'm just kind of getting reamed out on the phone, you know, uh, in, in like a Tom Brands fashion, which, you know, I, I'm like super grateful to had, have had this experience and everything, but it was super uncomfortable. Like I'm, I was a young kid. I looked up to Brands. I still do to this day. Like, yeah. you know, I hold him in the highest regard, but he's, you know, him and I are not seeing eye to eye on this. And I'm not, I'm not like disrespectful or, you know, I'm not really even trying to assert myself over him. I'm just kind of taking it. And he's like, is your dad there? You know, let me talk to your dad. And my dad's hardcore. Uh, he's a tough, he's a tough dude. I know you've met him, Ryan. Let's go baby. He's, uh, he's just, he's himself, you know, through and through and he doesn't really take a backseat to anybody Olympic champion or not. So <laughs> I bring the phone downstairs and I'm like, dad, uh, coach brands wants to talk to you. And when he was sitting in, uh, at the computer in our computer room and he picks up the phone and they start going back and forth. Uh, and brands is such an intense person. So he comes out of the gate and he's intense and, and the phone's not on speaker anymore. So I don't remember everything, but I know what my dad's last sentence was. And they're going back and forth shouting. I mean, straight up yelling at each other. And the last thing my dad says is, you know what? You guys go your way. We'll go ours. Click. That was it. Oh, my God. I'm like, you know, and I, I'm an easygoing guy. So I, I like look at my buddy, Joby, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> we'll see what happens now. You know, that was something. Wow. Uh, so five minutes later, Wes Hand calls. He's like, Hey, Jordan, uh, I just talked to coach brands. Is there any way we can act like that never happened and just continue along with the original agreement? You come into Iowa, like everything's normal at the 90 or the 60 at the 90. No. And I'm like, back at the night. I'm like, you know, like, I just don't feel that right now, you know? And, and that was that. So that was basically, uh, the last time I ever talked to the Iowa coaching staff as, as a recruit. Um, How nervous were you to call brands that night? I mean, not super nervous. Like it was just uncomfortable. It was one of those things as a young man, like uh, there was, there was no way I could get out of it, you know? So I just kind of like embraced it and, and it was what it was. I didn't expect it going like that, you know? I probably thought there was a better chance that Benefield was going to fireman's me in the first period <laughs> than my dad was going to hang up yelling at brands on the, uh, on the phone. So, you know, it was what it was, but yeah, you know, back to like the blessing side of this. So I'm a little bit blindsided by all of this and kind yeah. of just interpreting it and kind of maneuvering through it as it came along. Uh, but by the grace of God, the next day Tyrone has like a, teacher's field trip for strength and conditioning down at U of I. So I call, I update him and Wojcik and I'm like, you know, I decommitted from Iowa. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't want to open myself up. I don't want to be recruited right now. I just want to wrestle my Mm -hmm. senior year and then I'll pick this up in the spring. And, and that was kind of my mindset going into it. Well, birds like, you know, I'm going down to Illinois. Would you mind if I told coach Johnson half, uh, Hunter and Perry that this happened. I'm like, absolutely. You can tell them, you know, I, uh, it's, it's no secret. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the next day or within the next couple of days, it reached, uh, intermat wrestling and the USA wrestling boards and Illinois mat men and stuff like that. And, and to be honest, I don't even remember that, but I do remember, uh, as it started to go public, a lot of coaches reaching out during a dead period, uh, trying to just throw their hat a little bit in the ring. And uh, I didn't respond to any text, any, anything from, you know, I don't, I guess I won't say names on air, but some guys that, you know, are the top of the top, as far as coaches goes, in my opinion, uh, that would be an honor to wrestle for and everything. 
And in my gut, the only two options for me at that time were Wisconsin and Illinois because Wisconsin had Travis Rutt and Andrew Howe coming in Mm -hmm. and Illinois had Conrad Poles uh, coming in on top of, you know, everybody else from my, uh, you know, from my recruiting class and, and that I had known. So those were the two places that I, in my, in my gut, I felt like maybe even were on the table. Uh, but did you visit I, Illinois before that or no? I had, uh, I had not taken a visit to Illinois. I took my visit to Iowa in May on my sister's birthday, May 11th. So, uh, in of my junior year. So, you know, February was the state tournament, March, April, May. I won the Western junior regional. I beat Cam Simas in the finals, had a really tough bracket out there. And, uh, I remember like Kale Sanderson, Tom Brands, uh, Jim Zaleski, a, a bunch of these tough coaches are watching my finals match. I went 207 I ankle pick him to a leg lace in the second period, uh, like Kale Sanderson, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, technique and get the tech fall in the second period, win the, the uh, tournament. And then the floodgates were open recruiting wise. I mean, I was already getting recruited hard and everything, but that was when, Coaches were traveling, kind of going, watching me practice at Izzy style, uh, calling or texting at the time texting was legal. So everything was through text. And, uh, and I was like, this isn't sustainable. Like I'm going to have to make a decision pretty quick. I visited Michigan state. I visited uh, Northwestern. I visited uh, maybe one other place or something like that. But as soon as I went to Iowa, it was a done deal. I'm walking down the street in Iowa city and there's people that have nothing to do with the program wearing Iowa wrestling, you know, like it was just, it was different. So I was like, I was hooked. Uh, That was where I want to go. But to to kind of wrap up the story, Tyrone's going to Champaign the next day. He tells Johnson. uh, So that was like on a Friday, on a Saturday, my dad and I just to kind of get away, we go out and watch a Dakota high school, uh, playoff game their football team was in the playoff so we drive out to Dakota I I watch a game I see the Albers I see Scott Nicholas a bunch of guys that um that I'd known over the years uh from out there and we're driving back towards my hometown on the way home and a a voicemail comes through on my phone and it's Mark Johnson it's like hey Jordan this is Mark Johnson uh I you know coach Bird or Tyrone told me the news about Iowa I want you to know, like, we want you, uh, you're our, you're our guy. Like I would love to come and, and sit and talk with you at your earliest convenience. So we get home and I talk to him and I'm like, uh, okay. You know, like, sure. He comes up, uh, on Sunday, on a Sunday afternoon, spends like probably two or three hours at my house. And, uh, at, from that conversation, it was done. I was like, all right, Illinois, it is, uh, the, that was signing week or whatever going into it. So that was Friday, Saturday, Sunday, right there. The following Friday, I went to Illinois and then I signed my letter of intent, like a, within all within a week. I mean, wow. I from Iowa, Johnson came to my house. I went to Illinois and I signed my letter of intent, a new letter of intent. I like had one from Iowa and I'd signed the one from Illinois within like a one week period. It was, it was nuts. What kind of presence does Mark Johnson bring to the living room? I mean, it's so hard. It's so hard to say like, uh, who, you know, who he is in, in, from, uh, from a personality and just like almost an icon standpoint, you know, I, I've, I've met so many people in my life. I'm fortunate to meet all types of wrestlers, wrestling personalities, people with all different personality traits and stuff, but I've just never met anybody that was maybe as well-rounded, but still rough around the edges as Johnson. He was so tough. He had just this like, uh, you know, I guess ability. He's like a politician meets like, you know, a thought leader meets like, uh, you know, a bodybuilder. So it's like, (laughs) you have so much different things going. uh, And and so, I, you know, again, Dan Gable, Tom Brands, these people that I was meeting, Doug Schwab, uh, these people that I was meeting at, at Iowa, you know, are, are 
on, a, on the national stage, you know, the biggest names that you can get. Um, but there was definitely, and I think it goes back to Poeta and Jimmy and Durgo and these guys that I'd looked up to my whole life growing up, they were all wrestling at Illinois. And when, when I'm sitting there talking to coach Johnson, I start really visualizing myself wearing an Illinois singlet, wrestling with those guys. Um, it was a very easy transition from the track that my mind was on to a lion eye till I die, you know, yeah. and, and that's what that's, you know, since that day in November, that's how, that's how I've been. I just kind of pivoted and never looked back. Could you imagine looking back now, could you even imagine your life being any other way than a, a line eye wrestler? It's, you know, it's so funny. Uh, I think about it and uh, you know, I still have tons of like Hawkeye memorabilia, that I'm looking to get rid of it probably look great in your studio. Yeah, I think it would look great in the studio. <laughs> I have, I, I have some great stuff, you know, I'm keeping all the Gable stuff. Uh, but, but the Hawkeye stuff, uh, is on the market. So I'll, we'll do a I couple you, giveaways with it. <laughs> when, I, when I send you the relentless training center t-shirt, I'm going to send a little care package with Dude, it. Dude, We're going to get to that too, but let's, so I, I just think it's so cool because Mark Johnson's a guy who just evokes trust and it's like, as anyone who's going to lead anyone, you're like, how is he just developed? How is he able to develop trust in such a real way so quickly? You know, I don't have an answer for that, but right. that's a great way to, you know, that's a great way to put it. I've, I've never seen anything like it. Uh, he's, you know, he's, he, he changed my life like drastically uh, just the way that he was the man that he was like, I was thinking I was going to put everything off and I'll just deal with it then but he came in and made such an impression, such an impact. And he, you know, he is a closer too, because I don't even know going into that conversation, if I even wanted to get to that, you know, commitment, signing, whatever thing. But when he was, when he had said his piece and when we'd sat at that table, I was like, you know, Kale Sanderson, anybody else out there, Barry Davis, like I, I'm wrestling for Illinois. You know, that was just the way it was going to be. Wow. And so with that in the rear, rear view, you could squarely focus on winning uh, your first double A state title. Yep. And as luck would have it, another iconic match, you and Chris Spangler. Spangler had been a state champ at 103, and then he had bumped his way up. But that year he was undefeated and ranked super high nationally. You were ranked, I think you're both ranked top five nationally. Yep. And you guys met in the semis. And I've, I was watching it today. The chills are on my body now. I've never heard Assembly Hall that loud. What were you thinking in the tunnel before you went out there? In the tunnel, uh, you know, I, confident, a uh, lot of belief, you know, the same thing as always. Move your feet, pull on his head, get to the third period, and, and, and that's when you can – if you're in, shoot, you know, shooting distance, uh, I was going to run him down. You know, that was, that was always my philosophy. I didn't think I was going to get taken down in, in the uh, first period three times, but I, I felt like, you know, there was very few ways unless I went to my back that he was going to be able to outscore me for seven minutes. So my, my thought process was go out there and, and defend your legs. I, I didn't get that part down, but were you I, panicking at all when you had the third takedown the first? No, uh, no panic ever. Okay. I, 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 that word really doesn't exist uh, in my vocabulary. Let's go. Come on now. It, it, you know, it is what it is. I, panicking wasn't going to help me no matter what. So I think my, my thought process, my mentality was just, you know, uh, I, I got to find a way to slow down these attacks because I was just stepping right into them, you know? Yeah. Uh, he, I literally was, I, it almost looked like we were drilling when I watch it, you know, and I don't know if that was like some of those, that performance anxiety or some, you know, trying to work myself into the match. But uh, I remember when he got me in that kind of three quarter Nelson and he was, he was just kind of wrenching and I just had my hands out. I, I just felt like he was trying to choke me out. And uh, in my mind, I'm like, uh, he's strong. This is tight, but you know, that's it. Like I, I got to get out right now. That escape that I got at the end of the first period changed Huge. the match big time. Uh, but you know, even again, like I think I had a bloody nose right before that. And my coaches are like 10 seconds. And again, this is a training situation that I've put myself in 
a million times. Like 10 seconds left, get to your feet, you know, fight is lack. Maybe you get a stall call. Maybe you get an escape. Rarely do you get both. I, I was fortunate to oh get Oh my both. God. As soon as they hit him for stalling, I was like, all right, fight the hands. I got that one. And then I was right back in the, you know, right back in a good position. Uh, but again, you know, I, I, w- I was just going to keep wrestling no matter what. And, uh, and, and that was, that was the bottom line. Watching that match really shows you how valuable it is to ride because had he been able to ride you, I mean, it changes the, you know, I'm sure you still would have battled the whole way through. I know you would have, but the dynamic of the match just changes all of a sudden it's six, four at the, you know, after in the second. And it's like, just like that, you know, it's like, you got to ride people. You know, I know Illinois guys, that's our knock, you know, but as a coach now, you must really see that. Those, you know, and from, uh, from the position I was in where I was trailing to be able to get a late period escape and then start the second period with an escape, you know, that, that's two points. The value of those two points is just ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, it's just as valuable as a takedown, not to mention just the momentum shift and everything. So, uh, you're right. I mean, I, that was, that was, uh, a huge moment in the match, but even, you know, the way the match continued to progress as the second period came on when I finally got the first uh, takedown and then especially the third period, I, I'm not saying this in a disrespectful way or anything, but I think I could have got two or three more takedowns in that match. Like mm-hmm. I was in a position to uh, with, to just keep scoring points. You know, that was my mindset. So if I would have needed three or four or five takedowns in the third period, I think my mind was in a, a, a place where if that's what it was going to take, that's what it was going to take. I wasn't even going to think about anything other than getting to those legs, getting to those legs. And, you know, Ed Giese was doing the, uh, the yeah. call. I watched the match recently and he did such a great job. He stayed super neutral and you could see at the beginning, he was like surprised that Spangler was getting in as easy as he was. And the match was going the way that it was. And then on the backside, uh, in that third period, you know, I, I had him on the ropes for sure. And, uh, I just felt like I could have just, I could have just stayed, stayed attacking, stayed attacking and, and, you know, kept scoring points. Do you ever notice he was doing this thing with his headgear where he would like run his finger across his strap like that? Every time I watch him, like, what is he doing? Not even, not even disrespecting the guy. I'm just saying like, it was, I noticed that. I'm like, what is that? must've been like a tick or something. I think that's a tick. You know, I think that's one of the ways he probably reset his mind. One of the, you know, like, uh, and, and there was a couple of things throughout the match. Like one time he took a roundabout way to the circle, you know, and that was one of those tells for me when I was getting guys was for me, it was a race back to the center. You go out of bounds. It's a race back to the center no walk in, no take your time and recover. Mm. It was first one back to the line, you know, antsy, like I want to get this match, keep going, keep going, keep going. And that's a little bit of that Iowa mentality. Like you always, you never want to take injury time, blood time. Come on, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. That was my mentality too. Like, let's get right back to it. Uh, some guys like Burroughs fixing a sock or, you know, all, all different stuff like that. I think Kendall Cross has some good stories about yes how he wanted to reset his mind when they'd go out of bounds. And uh, for me, I, I was watching what my opponent was doing because if they just wanted one extra gasp of air, I felt like I was getting to them and that would, that'd be blood in the water for me. You were war machine mode, dude. You were yeah, going. That, yeah. Dude. Sure. And once you finally, and for folks who are listening, check out this match on YouTube, Blaine and Spangler, just unbelievable. And, the, and there's just so much that else that goes into it with the, this the perception of the Spangos and how tough they were and it was just a lot of drama involved so it was it was really fun and just the the noise level at assembly hall was berserk and this was a saturday morning so it's just a, a really iconic match we're not going to get to the college greater day we'll do that one in person hopefully when i come out to the training center but we got to talk about this what is the rtc training center you and prater are starting this up and it stands for relentless training yeah. Yep. Relentless training center. Fill us in on it, man. Cause it's exciting. It's super exciting. So, uh, I moved back to my hometown in February. My wife and I bought a house, uh, in my hometown and actually her sister, 
uh, is engaged to Ryan Prater. So Prater and I have been wrestling together, going back to Disney duels and Fargo and stuff from high school. We were teammates. We roomed together at Illinois uh, for a time. And, you know, we've been in each other's lives for a long time. They've been dating for about 10 years. I've been with my wife for like 13 years. So uh, we've spent a lot of time together over the years. When they bought their house, he was coaching at Elmhurst. When they bought their house up here, we started talking about, you know, planting our roots and, and kind of getting involved up here. Uh, and we just started during quarantine uh, coaching like a couple one-on-ones uh, with some kids and in the area. And uh, as things started to lighten up a little bit, we started uh, going to an actual wrestling facility, not just a basement mm-hmm. and training like that. Uh, we built it up to about, I don't know, 10 or 15 kids. And then we're like, you know, I think we have something here. I think with all the rules and regulations right now, we didn't know when the right time was, would be to launch the, the club, but uh, basically just through a tremendous amount of like people asking, 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 can you do this? Can you do that? Can you run a practice? We're like, you know, I think we have enough kids where at least would be worth our while to uh, look around and try and find a building and find some mats and, and really try and grow this. So uh, that, that was how it started. Um, we were, we were doing it at a, at a gym, a fitness center in town. Um, but we just got a 3,200 square feet pole barn, uh, in Woodstock Greenwood, uh, is the town. And it's basically five minutes from Richmond high school. So, uh, it's, it's right up the road, uh, super centrally located between Woodstock and Huntley and Antioch and Grant and all these great, uh, Crystal Lake schools, like all these great programs in the area and everybody's driving to either Puetta or Izzy or going all over the place. We wanted to uh, create an off season training center where the best kids from McHenry County or over the state line in Wisconsin, or really from anywhere could come in, uh, get some high level coaching. You know, Prater was a division three national champion. He's got a laundry list of, of names that he's, pinned and beat at the division one level. Um, you know, he's had huge success his whole career Yeah, and he's got a really great style. He's a heavy hand fighter, super funky scrambler and great on top. Uh, I bet his personality just resonates with the kids. Oh, he's got nothing but energy. It's great. You know, he's, we're kind of like good cop, bad cop. You know, he's, he's like, uh, with our big guys, he's punching them in the ribs and grabbing them and messing <laughs> with them. And I'm, you know, I'm like kind of patting him on the ass or on the butt, like, come on, buddy, you got it. Uh, but it's a great dynamic. The energy in our room is, is awesome. We got ropes. We got, uh, we probably got enough space for about 50 wrestlers. We got a little over two full size mats in there. So they Um, down now mats are down. The mats are down. We just posted some pictures. We just posted some pictures on our Facebook. Uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram relentless training center. And, uh, there's a, there's a lot of content out there. There'll be a lot more as things go, but this now is, you know, something that we're looking at for the next, you know, several decades. Uh, this is going to be a huge commitment to us. I want to be involved in wrestling. I want to try and train the next generation of champions. I grew up in an area, those schools that I'm talking about, Huntley, Antioch, Crystal Lake, Woodstock, uh, Grant, you know, all of these schools have had, champions and great wrestlers and great teams and all kinds of stuff. Uh, I feel like, you know, your run of the mill kid in this area up here has a level of toughness and, you know, community support and uh, just, you know, uh, these certain characteristics that I think it's a good environment and makes a great wrestler. It's a great environment. It's good people to be around. Um, There hasn't always been huge opportunities to train out here. That it, it, it's something I'm really grateful to be able to be a part of is trying to bring, you know, world-class. I'm not saying uh, we're coming here and we're just going to put in some time and you come here and you wrestle and you go home. And that is what it is. I want to build champions. I want guys that want to be great. Um, I don't, you know, eventually maybe we'll work ourselves into clubs and, and stuff like that. This is a training facility. You know, we're not, we're not going to be, uh, like an IKWF team, we're not going to be, uh, you know, Smart. doing anything. 
anything other than uh, a facility where people could come. And my, my main focus are our classes, clinics, camps, and tours. Uh, so the classes are just there three times a week, four times a week uh, classes for our, our members, uh, mm -hmm. monthly members. The camps and the clinics, you know, there'll be a lot of information that spreads about that as the time comes. But um, bringing in, you know, our network between Prater and I, we have a vast network of, of champions and world team members and Olympians and you name it uh, that we want to bring in, bring into this room and, and kind of allow these coaches or wrestlers that made an impact on us to try and allow them to kind of pass those same tidbits of information along to our guys. Um, and then, you know, kind of secondary or maybe phase two though yeah. is tours. And uh, I want, I want to bring teams to different tournaments around, uh, around the country. I want them to be able to train. I want them to be able to get their weight down, really run like a high level, uh, uh, you know, structured uh, tour, you know, mm -hmm. whether it's for a tournament or whether it's to go and train in a different location somewhere throughout the country or throughout the world. Um, I want to provide life experiences for the kids that, wrestling has provided for me. I want them to learn different cultures, different areas, different places to see it, to feel it. And not only that, but to be pushing and building their minds while they're doing it. You know, I want them to uh, run the hills in a mountain. And then you get to the top of that mountain, you look down and you see a huge valley as far as you can see, you know, when you're, when you're exhausted, but you look out and see that and all of a sudden your chest pops up and you're feeling good. Uh, those, I think those little uh, experiences open the mind and, and uh, create a lot of self-belief. Uh, it's really easy to uh, believe in yourself and, and buy into your training and stuff like that when you're experiencing new things and different things and it's, and there's reward to it and, and you're, you know, it's an exciting thing. So that's what, that's what our club's uh, going to be. It's going to be a place where uh, anybody that wants to come, boy, girl, young, old, uh, we want, we want hard work and people, uh, that are going to come in, pay the price and, uh, put in the work that needs to be put in in order to be a champion. And, uh, I, you know, I, I couldn't be more excited to be at this kind of chapter now because it's, it's been super great. Well, what I love about your guys' setup is that you're both have homes there you're not going anywhere and you're you're there for like the next 20 30 years and you can just sink your teeth in and spend you know all these hours at the gym and you know as soon as i'm done with the smith documentary i'm coming out and we're going to do a little behind the scenes tour of the facility i'll hang out for a couple of practices we'll put the videos up and i i just cannot wait man and dude sure. it's exciting it's exciting the momentum that's going on and i'm really uh really pumped for you guys and i want to thank you for coming on the show it's it's been great to get to know you the past year and, and dude rumble on the rooftop let's not forget it that was awesome right uh yeah man i i really appreciate everything you're doing this podcast is as part of my daily and weekly uh routine you you bring on the best guys congratulations on uh podcast of the year that thank was, you as a heckin of an award and, and very well deserved. Uh, so it's been great, man. I, I'm really looking forward to continuing our conversations and bringing you out to the barn, letting you see kind of behind the scenes, some of the stuff we're working on. Uh, but I, I feel like, you know, things are in a really good place right now in spite of a crazy year, a lot of ups and downs, whatever. Yeah. Um, but we're, you know, 2021 is right around the corner we're super excited. There's a lot of good stuff uh, to look forward to for sure. Indeed. Jordan Blanton, thank you for your time, sir. I appreciate it. Thanks, Warner. And all great things must come to an end. If you want to hear more from the podcast, text WRESTLE to 555-888. That's WRESTLE to 555-888. You can also find us on Instagram, Wrestling Changed My Life, Twitter, Ryan underscore N underscore Warner, as well as our website, WrestlingChangedMyLife.com. Take care, y'all.